Chapter Sixteen of the Mother's Recompense by Edith Wharton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Anne Fletcher, Richmond, Tasmania, two thousand and twenty-one. Chapter Sixteen. Anne had decreed that they should return home, and they returned. The day after the scene at Rio, the girl had faltered out an apology, and the mother had received it with a silent kiss. After that, neither had alluded to the subject of their midnight talk. Anne was as solicitous as ever for her mother's comfort and enjoyment, but the daughter had vanished in the travelling companion. Sometimes, during those last weary weeks of travel, Kate Clifane wondered if any closer relation would ever be possible between them. But it was not often that she dared to look ahead. She felt like a traveller crawling along a narrow ledge above a precipice. A glance forward or down might plunge her into the depths. As they drew near New York, she recalled her other return there, less than a year before, and the reckless confidence with which she had entered on her new life. She recalled her first meeting with her daughter, her sense of an instant understanding on the part of each, and the way her own past had fallen from her at the girl's embrace. Now Anne seemed remoter than ever, and it was the mother's past which had divided them. She shuddered at the fatuity with which she had listened to Enid Drover and Fred Landers when they assured her that she had won her daughter's heart. She's taken a tremendous fancy to you. Was it possible that that absurd phrase had ever satisfied her? But daughters, she said to herself, don't take a fancy to their mothers. Mothers and daughters are part of each other's consciousness, in different degrees and in a different way but still with the mutual sense of something which has always been there. A real mother is just a habit of thought to her children. Well, this mother must put up with what she had and make the most of it. Yes, for Anne's sake she must try to make the most of it, to grope her own way and the girls through this ghastly labyrinth without imperilling whatever affection Anne still felt for her. So a conscientious chaperone might have reasoned. And what more had Kate Clifane the right to call herself? They reached New York early in October. None of the family were in town. Even Fred Landers, uninformed of the exact date of their return, was off shooting with Horace McClue in South Carolina. Anne had wanted their arrival to pass unperceived. She told her mother that they would remain in town for a day or two, and then decide where to spend the rest of the autumn. On the steamer they languidly discussed alternatives, but from the girl's inability to decide, the mother guessed that she was waiting for something, probably a letter. She's written to him after all. She expects to find the answer when we arrive. They reached the house and went upstairs to their respective apartments. Everything in Anne's establishment was as discreetly ordered as in a club. Each lady found her correspondence in her sitting-room, and Kate Clifane, while she glanced indifferently over her own letters, sat with an anguished heart wondering what message awaited Anne. They met at dinner, and she fancied the girl looked paler and more distant than usual. After dinner the two went to Kate's sitting-room. Aileen had already laid out some of the presents they'd brought home. A Mexican turquoise ornament for Lilla, an exotic headband of kingfisher's feathers for Nolly, 
an old Spanish chronicle for Fred Landers. Mother and daughter turned them over with affected interest, then talk languished, and Anne rose and said good night. On the threshold she paused. Mother, I was odious to you that night in Rio. Kate started up with an impulsive gesture. Oh, my darling, what does that matter? I was all forgotten long ago. I haven't forgotten it. I'm more and more ashamed of what I said. Oh, but I was dreadfully unhappy. I know, dear, I know. The girl still stood by the door, clutching the knob in an unconscious hand. I wanted to tell you that now I'm cured. Quite cured. Her smile was heartbreaking. I didn't follow your advice. I wrote to him. I told him, I pretended, that you were going to accept my plan of giving you back the money, and that I should have only a moderate allowance, so that he needn't feel any inequality, any sense of obligation. Kate listened with lowered head. Perhaps you were right to write to him. Yes, I was right, Anne answered with a faint touch of self-derision, for now I know. It was not the money. He has told me so. I've had a letter. Ah. I'm dismissed, said the girl with an abrupt laugh. Oh, what do you mean, dear, when you say I was right? I mean that there was another woman. Anne came close to her, with the same white vehement face as she had shown during their nocturnal talk at Rio. Kate's heart stood still. Another woman? Yes and you made me feel that you'd always suspected it. Oh, no, dear, really. You didn't? She saw the terrible flame of hope rekindling in Anne's eyes. Oh, not, not about anyone in particular. But, of course, with a man, a man like that. Oh, should she go on or should she stop? Anne was upon her with a cry. Mother, what kind of man? Oh, fool that she was, not to have foreseen the consequences of such a slip. She sat before her daughter like a criminal under cross-examination, feeling that whatever word she chose would fatally lead her deeper into the slough of avowal. Anne repeated her question with insistence. "'You knew him before I did,' she added. Oh, "'Yes, but it's so long ago.' "'But what makes you suspect him now?' suspect oh i suspect nothing the girl stood looking at her fixedly under dark menacing brows i do then i wouldn't allow myself to before but all the while i knew there was another woman between the sentences she drew short panting breaths as though with every word speech grew more difficult mother she broke out the day I went to Baltimore to see him, the maid who opened the door didn't want to let me in because there'd been a woman there two days before who'd made a scene. A scene, that's what she said. Oh, isn't it horrible? She burst into tears. Kate Clefane sat stupefied. She could not yet grasp the significance of the words her daughter was pouring out, and repeated dully, You went to Baltimore? How secret Anne must be, she thought, not only to have concealed her visit at the time, 
but even to have refrained from any allusion to it during their stormy talk at rio how secret since even in moments of seeming self-abandonment she could refrain from revealing whatever she chose to keep to herself more acutely than ever the mother had the sense of being at an arm's length from her child yes i went to baltimore said anne speaking now in a controlled incisive voice i didn't tell you at the time because you were not well it was just after you came back from meridia and had that nervous breakdown you remember i didn't want to bother you about my own affairs but as soon as i got his letter saying the engagement was off i jumped into the first train and went straight to baltimore to see him and you did it slipped from kate irresistibly no he was away he'd left but i didn't believe it at the time i thought the maid-servant had orders not to let me in she paused oh, mother it was too horrible she took me for the woman who'd made the scene she said i looked just like her kate gasped the negress said so her question seemed to drop into the silence like a shout it was as if she had let fall a platter of brass on a marble floor the negress anne echoed kate clefane sank down into the depths of her chair as if she had been withered by a touch she pressed her elbows against her side to try to hide the trembling of her body how did you know it was a negress mother kate sat helpless battling with confused possibilities of fear and in that moment anne leapt on the truth it was you mother you were the other woman you went to see him the day you said you'd been to meridia the girl stood before her now like a blanched fury i did go to meridia kate clefane declared oh you went to baltimore too then you went to his house you saw him you were the woman who made the scene anne's voice had mounted to a cry but suddenly she seemed to regain a sense of her surroundings at the very moment when kate clefane felt the flash of the blade over her head it was arrested within a hair's breadth of her neck anne's voice sank to a whisper mother you did that it was really you it was your doing you've always hated him then hated him enough for that oh that blessed word hated when the other had trembled in the very air the mother bowed there her shrunken body drawn in on itself felt a faint expanding of the heart oh no dear no not hate she stammered but it was you she suddenly understood that all the while anne had not really believed it but the moment for pretence was past i did go to see him yes to persuade him to break our engagement oh anne answer me please to ask him to try to make him see the girl interrupted her with a laugh you made him break our engagement you did it and all this time all these dreadful months you let me think it was because he was tired of me 
she sprang to her mother and caught her by the wrists her hot fingers seemed to burn into kate's shivering flesh oh look at me please mother no straight in the eyes i want to try to find out which of us you hated most which of us you most wanted to see suffer the mother disengaged herself and stood up as for suffering oh if you look at me you'll see i've had my share the girl seemed not to hear oh but why 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 she wailed a reaction of self-defence came over kate cliffane anne's white heat of ire seemed to turn her cold and her self-possession returned what is it you want me to tell you i did go to see major fenneau yes i wanted to speak to him privately to ask him to reconsider his decision i didn't believe he could make you happy he came round to my way of thinking that's all any mother would have done as much i had the right the right anne shrilled what right you gave up all your rights over me when you left my father for another man mrs cliffane rose with uncertain steps and moved toward the door of her bedroom on the threshold she paused and turned toward her daughter strength had come back to her with the thought that after all the only thing that mattered was to prevent this marriage and that she might still do oh the right of a friend then anne won't you even allow me that you've treated me as a friend since you asked me to come back you've trusted me or seemed to trust me now i did what i did because i knew you ought not to marry major fenneau i've known him for a great many years i knew he couldn't make you happy make any woman happy some men are not meant to marry he's one of them i know enough of his history to know that and you see he recognised that i was right anne was still staring at her with the same fixed implacable brows then her face broke up into the furrows of young anguish and she became again a helpless grief-tossed girl battling blindly with her first sorrow she flung up her arms buried her head in them and sank down by the sofa kate watched her for a moment hesitating then she stole up and laid an arm about the bowed neck but anne shook her off and sprang up oh no 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 she cried they stood facing each other as on that other cruel night you don't know me you don't understand me what right have you to interfere with my happiness won't you please say nothing more now it was my own fault to imagine we could ever live together like mother and daughter a relation like that can't be improvised in a day she flung a tragic look at her mother if you've suffered i suppose it was my fault for asking you to make the experiment excuse me if i've said anything to hurt you but you must leave me to manage my life in my own way she turned toward the door good night my child kate whispered End of chapter 16